0: Thank you so much for joining us today. We're always encouraged to know God is working through New Beginnings to touch lives. So if you have a story to share of how God's working in your life, please let us know. Send us an email at newbeginningsnj.org. Now prepare your heart to hear a word from God today. I believe that you need to hear this message with an open heart today. Um, Understanding this, that what I'm teaching today I'm bringing to you with a heart of expectancy that some of you are going to hear some things and see some things differently that are going to help you really change a major part of your life. So let me just jump into the scriptures here. Just just, just stick with me this morning, okay? Mark chapter 12, Gospel of Mark chapter 12. It's talking about an incident that took place during Jesus' ministry, and it's something that some of us are aware of this incident it's very short but very impacting to give you some background jesus is in the temple compound in jerusalem with his disciples and he's in the area of the temple where people would bring their offerings and so we pick up here in verse 41 jesus sat down near the collection box in the temple now if we were uh, living in that time and just Prior to that, just, excuse me, after that time, and we were familiar with Jerusalem, and we were were Jews that were going to the temple, nobody would have to give an explanation. We would know exactly where Jesus was in this specific spot, and we would understand the context of the story. So he sits down near the area where the collection box is, okay, and watch as the crowds dropped in their money. It's interesting that Jesus positioned himself at a place where he would see who's bringing what, okay? Many rich people put in large amounts. Verse 42, then a poor widow came and dropped in two small coins. Verse 43 says, and Jesus called his disciples to him. He wanted them to notice what was going on. He wanted them to take notice. He wanted them to focus in on this particular incident that just happened and he just witnessed. And he said to them, I tell you the truth, this poor widow has given more than all the others that are making contributions. Now, naturally speaking, the disciples was, <laughs> what's he talking about? She only put in two copper coins, which are worth about a couple of cents, okay? The others were bringing great gifts and making sure everybody knew they were bringing great gifts. Now, Jesus goes on to explain. He said, she's given more than they did. For they gave a tiny, we could say it this way, percentage of their surplus. But she, poor as she is, has given everything she had to live on. He's saying this, they gave out of excess. They gave out of the abundance. They gave out of the extra that they have just laying on the side. She gave out of her budget. She gave out of the money she lives on. So coming from a heart perspective, She gave much more than them because her giving required way more faith, way more devotion, way more passion for God and for his kingdom than the rich person gave, even though they may have given many thousands times more, numerically speaking. But it doesn't take a lot of faith to give when you have a whole bunch. Yes or no? Now I'll be honest with you, telling you from our life story, my wife is here and she will be here in a few minutes. We know the power of this scripture. Many of you know us from the past or know our past that we were business people in this community for many years. And when I first came to, to Christ, when I first became a Christian, when I first got born again, we were in good shape financially. We had our own home. We had another income property that was rented. Constantly producing. We had a good business that was bringing money in. We had cars, we had, we had money in our pockets, we, we had, okay? It wasn't anything, it wasn't a big deal for us to grab a thousand, two thousand, put it in the offering bucket. However, in 1987, when the recession hit, and that one, if you remember, those of you that were around then, it was brutal, and things turned around, and things got tight, and then eventually in 1990, we ended up going into bankruptcy and getting wiped out of everything. We still gave. We have always brought our tithes to church. We have always given offerings over and above those tithes. However, we noticed this, now now, when we brought, when we bring the 1,000, when we bring the 2,000, when we bring the 5,000, it was blessed. But we noticed something that when we brought our tithe and we brought our offerings out of the little bit that we had to live on, it seemed like the blessing was so much greater. Amen. that's true. Amen. Why? You see, it didn't require as much faith. When you've got a pile of money, it doesn't require a whole bunch of faith to take some of it and give. But when you've got just enough to get by and you got four boys to feed. Okay, those of you that might be in that, you know, okay. A, a gallon of milk a day. You know, a box or two of cereal every day. You know, it, 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 it takes faith. And when you've got X amount of dollars, and it, and it seems like the longer you go, it, your income is shrinking because now, going into bankruptcy, there were times when I was out of work, there were, times when I, there were times when we were living off of groceries coming from the church. There, there were tough times, but it seemed like when we gave then, that it just seemed like there was just so much more of a supernatural blessing upon that. That's what happened in this story here. Jesus takes note of this woman and said, look at this, come here guys, look at this. You, now watch this now. Jesus is always looking for faith. You remember he would go to people, and people, or people would come to him that had sicknesses and illnesses. One person come up to him blind. And, and Jesus says, what do you want me to do for you? Well, come on, it's the obvious. I, I want my sight restored. But you see, he wasn't asking that question to find out the fact. He was asking the question, where is your heart, and do you have faith that I can do this? Are you hearing me? So, so God's always looking for faith, Jesus is always looking for faith. And so when he sees an example of a woman, poor widow, he calls the disciples over and goes, come here, come, come here guys, look at this, look at this. Yeah, all the big shots, yeah they're giving their money and they're making sure that they throw the change in a little bit at a time so it makes enough noise. But this woman here with these two little coins has given more than all of these millionaires put together because she gave out of her need. God loves us. We know that, right? Of and one of the most outstanding characteristic of God's nature is that he's giving. John 3, 16, let's, let's say it together. For God so loved the world that he gave. He gave the only one he had. So God's a giver. And if we claim as believers that we have his spirit living in us, and yet some of us may have a really, really, really hard time giving. And, and it's not because it's not there. It's understandable to have a hard time when it's not there. But I'm talking about when it's there. You're just spending it on things that are not as important. When there's a problem with giving, there's a problem in the heart. Now that's not what I want to talk about today. What I want to talk about is this. Faith finds its greatest expression in giving. You see, because when I, when I, when I give what I have to you, when I give what I have and put it in the offering, because we want to see we want to see this church reach more people. When we take what we have and we give it to another ministry, we give it to an organization that's, that's helping the poor or, or whatever, what you're doing is you're taking what you have and you are placing it in the hands of someone else. You're placing it in the hands of God or you're placing it in the hands of God's people. And so now, you now have put yourself in a position that you are expecting and trusting that God is going to make up for what you just deposited in someone else's. That takes faith. Let's be honest with each other. That takes faith. Love always looks out for the best interests of another. Do you believe that? Now watch this. God is love, right? Do you know that God doesn't have a bank account in heaven? When we get to heaven, we know there's streets of gold, we know there's gonna be mansions and palaces and beautiful places. One individual who had the privilege to visit heaven and come back and tell about it also said about different, different arenas, amphitheaters, where worship would go on constantly 24 hours a day. But nobody's ever come back and said, yeah, I visited the bank. Yeah. <laughs> so, so if, if love Wants to show the best for somebody else, he's going to have to use us who are here on this earth. And so when you and I are generous, when you and I give, when you and I take what we have and are willing to deposit it in someone else's life, we are actually being used by God so that he can show his love through us and bless someone. Amen. Have you ever had the opportunity to bless somebody that? completely did not expect it maybe you paid for their, their food bill or you paid for whatever you just whatever you did and 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 the look on the individuals faces when they find out that's that they they're, they're showing you but it's god who's saying it there you go. Are you listening this morning Yes So here's the the goal and the reason for this teaching Number 1 for us to be able to take what we've been learning about faith in these past few months and to now take it to the next level. The next level is not more information. The next level is action. Amen. Thank you. That, that, that's, the next level is not more information. The next level is actually doing something with the faith that we've started to develop. Amen. Amen. Thank you. <laughs> Number two is this. To bring freedom from financial burdens, to couples, to people, individuals, to families that are suffering financially. If you're suffering financially as a believer, you're not gonna get out of that by getting three or four part-time jobs. You're gonna get out of it by you participating in the system that God has placed in his kingdom to provide for you. Amen? Amen? Let's go to this verse in the Gospel of Luke. Luke chapter six, verse 38. I'm going to say this before I go to that scripture. Our generosity in giving is a demonstration of God's character and a response to what he has done for us. In other words, our giving is, is, is a response of gratitude. I got born again on April the 25th, 1984, on a, on a Wednesday. The, I had gone to church the Sunday before, which was Easter Sunday that year. My first experience in a church like this full of crazy people like we are raising their hands, clapping their hands, jumping up and down, singing songs was on Easter Sunday morning. I came away in a daze like, (laughs) what the heck? I went back the following, that Wednesday, three days later, and when the pastor gave the invitation to receive Christ, I was right there. The next Sunday, I bring my first offering to church Nobody had to tell me. The pastor didn't call up and say, hey, Joe, listen, I know you got born again Wednesday night. If you're gonna come to church here, you better bring an envelope with you. (laughs) I instinctively knew, listen to me, not saying this has to be you, I'm just sharing my experience. I instinctively knew, this God has changed my life. This God has rescued me. This, if it wasn't for him, I'd be dead, my, my marriage would be shot, my kids, and out of that sense of gratitude, nobody had to tell me to bring an offering. And you know what my reason was? It wasn't so so that anybody in church would say, wow, look at this guy, board number No, because I wanted to be a part of anybody else that came to that church and had that same experience that I had. Amen. That's why we give. That's why we give. We don't give to get brownie points with God. We give out of a heart of gratitude because you say, anybody else is going to have this experience? Guess what? I want a part of that. I want a part of that. And I hope that's the kind of heart that you're developing. So, Luke chapter 6, verse 38. Give, and it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, will be poured into your lap. Now watch this now, because you see, who determines the level of blessing that you and I live live with? Watch this now. For with the measure you use, it's going to be measured back to you. So the determining factor of what you have and what you, what, what's made available to you and what kind of blessing comes into your life is not determined by God, it's determined by you and me. Now notice, what's the first word in that scripture? Give, give, give. Now watch this now. Can you imagine? Jesus is in the temple compound. Obviously, he has some way of identifying this woman as being a widow and being poor. Did you notice this? Now watch this now, because many of us think about giving in a very humanistic mindset. Did you notice that Jesus didn't say to that lady, hey, sweetheart, come here. You don't have to put the two coins in. You need this much more than they need this. This two copper coins is not going to make a difference in whether this temple exists or not. Why don't you hold on to it? Do you notice he didn't do that? Why? He would have stopped her from tapping into the system that God put in place for this woman to have security and stability for the rest of her future. Luke chapter 6 says what? Give. And it shall be given. It doesn't say wait till someone gives it to you and then you give it. It says what? Come on, church, it says what? Who's gotta take the first step? We take the first step. That lady had to take that step. Now, I'm coming to the realization after all these years that it is mandatory that you and I take the first step. And that's because that first step is the ultimate step of faith. When you have to take what's yours and entrust it to somebody else, and now you're trusting God, that he's gonna make up the difference. Now, you and I both know through experience that if I give 10, it doesn't come back 10. It comes back way more than the 10, and in many different ways. Are are you catching this? So so I hope you're catching, and especially if you're struggling financially, I hope you're realizing there is no need for you to struggle. It's not a financial matter. It's a faith matter. It's a trust matter. It's a matter of you taking a step and say, I'm going to do this. I I need need this and I need about 50 more like this, but I'm going to take this step. I trust you. I trust in your goodness. I trust in your faithfulness. Now, can I just say this? Because sometimes it's very difficult to preach this kind of a message because it's inevitable that somebody in this room or somebody listening or watching to this in the future is going to say, wow, the church must need money. This church is extremely blessed. I say that to you before God, it's not even a faith confession. It is a fact, okay? This church is very fluid. This church, we don't, we're not behind in any bills. I'm not, you know, if you don't help me now, if you don't help me now, if you don't you'll never hear that here. Because when I hear some of that stuff, if you don't help us, we're going off the radio, good. Get off the radio, you got no business being on there. If you're gonna beg, if you're gonna have to beg and threaten people. If you don't come through, we're gonna have to shut the the lights off. Stop begging. That nauseates me when I see ministries do that kind of stuff. So I'm not presenting this to you for what we're gonna get. I'm presenting this to you because you need this. Because as a pastor, it breaks my heart when I hear about believers, Christians, Suffering financially. Now, I'm not saying that you're never going to have challenges. Trust me. We've had challenges. We've had challenges through the years. But we have never come to the place where we lost our peace. Never come to the place where we're like, oh, my God, what are you going to do? We have a nervous breakdown because I can't pay my bills. We knew that God was always gonna come through. Now here is the unknown factor. The Bible teaches a lot about giving, but there's one thing that it does not teach and it does not reveal. The unknown factor is how is God gonna respond once you give? How's it gonna look and when's it gonna happen? Now, he will speak to your heart As far as the tithe goes, he's already documented within the word. He wants us to take the very first 10% of our increase. And the first, it's not about the money and it's not about the, the, the amount, it's about the first. God wants to be first in your life because when we put God first, especially in our finances, he knows he can have anything else that's in our life. So he's already told us, as far as that goes, what we're to give. But then in 2 Corinthians chapter nine, the Apostle Paul writes to the church in Corinth, and he pretty much, I'm paraphrasing here, he says, you know, it's a matter of conscience. Whatever you feel like God is speaking to you, that's what you give. Now he goes on to say, now don't give stingily. Don't be stingy about it. Don't be miserable about it. Because the more you plant, the more you're gonna, the more you're gonna reap, right? So so we know that. So what I'm saying to you is this. We know what we're supposed to give, but you and I don't have a clue of what it's gonna release. I want you to go to 1 Kings chapter 17. You getting this? Yeah. Elijah, the prophet, prior to this incident here, goes to a very ungodly king and confronts him, and he says this to him. Big shot, you've turned so many people against God in in this nation. Here's what the Lord says. It's not gonna rain until I say so. And a drought begins immediately, and it's, it's bad. And the drought ends up lasting three years. Now, when you've got a drought in an agricultural community, you've got problems. If there's a drought, that means there's no crops. If there's no crops, there's no food. If there's no food, there's a famine. And it comes to the place where it even affects Elijah and so now god gives him instruction to go to a specific place where his needs are going to be met so first kings chapter 17 verse 8 then the lord said to elijah go and live in the village of zarephath near the city of Sidon. for i have instructed a widow there to feed you i have instructed a widow there to feed you say it with me i have instructed a widow there to feed you so this woman knows that somebody's coming that i'm supposed to feed yes so he went to Zarephath. As he arrived at the gates of the village, he saw a widow gathering sticks, and he asked her, would you please bring me a little water? A little what? Water. And they're in the middle of a what? Drought. Wow, she's got to make a decision now. And so she goes and gets some a drink of water. She's on her way to the house. I don't know about you, but I put myself in a story. I can picture this, this little lady out there and she's all hunched over and she's picking up some sticks and you know how you're hunched over sometimes, you get up and you're like, ugh, oh, ugh. Oh. And uh, here comes this guy, hey, hey, listen, could you get me a drink of water? All right, so she p- turns and she goes to get him a drink of water. And now while she's heading to the house, he goes, hey, hey, by the way, uh, bring me a piece of bread. And she goes, that's it, this guy's really pushing the envelope now. <laughs> but she said, I swear by the Lord your God that I don't have a single piece of bread in the house. In fact, I got only a handful of flour left in the jar and a little cooking oil in the bottom of the jug and I'm just gathering a few sticks to cook this last meal and then my son and I will die. What a woman full of faith. What a woman, this is the kind of mom you want, somebody who's gonna really instill hope in you. Hey, come on, let's eat this pancake and then we're gonna die. But Elijah said to her, don't be afraid. Watch this now. Stick with me. Go ahead and do just what you said, but make a little bread for me first. Why? Why first? Because it's give and you shall be given. You getting this? It's give and you shall be given. She had to set the process in motion, and it was going to take faith. Then use what's left to prepare a meal for yourself and your son for this is what the Lord God of Israel says there will always be flour and olive oil left in your containers until the time when the Lord sends rain and the crops grow again so she did as Elijah said and she and Elijah and her, now it's her family first it was her son and some translations say her household which leads us to believe this is a woman at one time was wealthy and probably has servants and probably has employees and probably has so now not only is she gonna be able to feed her and her son she's gonna feed the prophet of God she's gonna feed her she's gonna feed her son and everybody else. It's in her household. And what ends up happening? And there was always enough flour and olive oil left in the containers, just as the Lord had promised through Elijah. Now, <clears throat> could she have possibly imagined that her step of obedience by taking the little bit that she had and make sure she put him first, could she have ever imagined what it was gonna release because we're not talking about a one-time miracle here. We don't know, I guess if we studied this a little bit, we might be able to find out the chronological order, but we don't know how much longer the famine lasted after this incident. Let's say it lasted six months. For the next six months, every time she goes in a barrel, there's flour, every time she opens up the box, there's oil. Not only for just her and her son, but enough for her whole household. She released through her action of obedience. She listen, she tapped into the unknown factor. But here's the here's here's the issue about that. It remains unknown until you take the step of faith. You got this? Listen, God knew she needed a miracle. You think God didn't know she only had a little bit of flour? You think God didn't know she had only only a little bit of oil? God knew. But it's a matter of, okay, what are you gonna do? What you have. Are you gonna consume it on yourself? Or are you, gonna, are you gonna make it available to me, says God, so that I can release a miracle in your life like you've never seen before? But obviously, it's gonna take a step of faith. She takes that step of faith, and she, she, taps into that unknown factor. There was no way of her knowing that God was gonna work this miracle, that every time she went, the flower was there, every time she needed the oil, it's there. Now watch. That's not the end of the miracles. She said, when, when Elijah was there, she said, I'm gonna take a few sticks, and I'm gonna make a, a little piece of bread for me and my son, so we're gonna eat and die. Watch this, verse 17, same chapter. Sometime later, the woman's son became sick. He grew worse and worse, and finally he died. Then she said to Elijah, oh man of God, what have you done to me? Have you come here to point out my sins and kill my son? Of course not. Elijah said to her, give me your son. Now watch this now. They did not have a relationship up until the point that Elijah shows up in front of her step. Are you, are you following me here? Yes, I am. There was a lot of people that God could have sent Elijah to. In fact, Jesus mentions that in one of his teachings. But he sends Elijah To who? This little widow. Why? He knows. He knows that sooner or later, this son's gonna get sick. He knows, God knows this woman is gonna need a very much bigger miracle than just some flour and some oil. She's gonna need this son back to life again. Why? She's a widow. So God set her up, what seemed to be a, a great miracle. Hey, how would you like to always go in your refrigerator, and there's always milk there? Keep pouring the bottle, keep put it back and get it back again. Keep pouring the That's a great miracle. But let me tell you something. That in comparison to having one of your children raised from the dead, which one would you want? Now, imagine this. Imagine if she had disobeyed what she already knew in her heart. Imagine she would have said, you know what? Get lost. It's bad enough he asking him for water, now he ask him for bread. This is all I have. How dare you? Now watch this. Imagine if ABC News had been there. <laughs> and watch this whole, this whole transaction take place. You know what they said? Look at the nerve of this traveling evangelist. He had the nerve to come to this woman's house and insist that she make bread for him first. It would have been all over the newspaper. You would have been reading that on the internet, people would have been posted on Facebook. What nerve this guy has. Yet God knew exactly who to send him to. Why? It wasn't about taking her flower, it was about restoring her son. And so she goes now, she's got a relationship with Elijah, the kid dies, Elijah says give me your son. He takes the son, brings him upstairs to a place where he's staying, puts, it, puts the son on his bed lays down on him three times, cries out to God, the son comes back to life, she presents his son, he presents his son back to the woman, and she says, now I know that you're a man of God. And now, in other words, now I know how God repays. But watch this now, watch this now. You know what God's telling you to give, but you have no clue what's coming up the road, and you have no way of knowing the miracle that you're gonna need tomorrow, next week, the week after. Are you catching this? In order for you to tap into the unknown factor, you're gonna have to take the first step. It's a step of faith, and it's a step of trust. You are participating in a program. When God speaks to your heart and tells you to give, When God speaks to your heart through the scriptures and tells you, I want you to start tithing, I want you to start taking that first 10%, and I want you to start putting it aside, he knows what you're heading for in the future. He knows what he's going to be able to release in your hands, because God releases principles into the earth. He releases those principles for us to tap into. And and I hope you understand what I'm going to say. Some of us have this idea that God's sitting up there in heaven at this big desk, and the angels come and go, hey, you know so-and-so's praying and needs this answer, and God goes, hmm, I don't know, maybe I should, maybe I shouldn't, all right, go ahead. That's not how it works. God doesn't answer prayer on a, on a need basis. God doesn't answer prayer on, on when, it's, when the need is made known, that's when he answers it. No, no, God sets a principle into action. He sets it into motion, I hate to say it this way, and then he walks away from it. He reveals the principle to us and, and kind of makes it like a third party so that when you get the revelation of that principle from the word of God and you start to tap into that principle, it's the principle, it's the system that answers your prayer. You tap into it and and, it really, and in fact, you're the one that's releasing. She released this miracle by taking that first step of obedience. Give and it shall be given unto you pressed down, shaken together, running over, shall it be poured into your lap. Are you catching this today? Some of us are begging God, oh God, I'm begging you, please do this, and God's going, I already, put the, I already got the process in, in motion. Just tap into the process. Work the system that he's revealed to us in the word of God. Are you hearing me? Yeah. Now let's go to another one real quick, real quick, real quick. In the, in the book of Acts, in Acts chapter 10, There's a Roman official. He obviously uh, uh, becomes a believer in the God of Israel, obviously being positioned there in Israel. He must have been influenced by uh, the the Israelites, the Jews. And so he becomes a believer in the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. The Bible tells us that he's a man of prayer. But this man had no clue of what he was going to release by his lifestyle of giving. Let me read to you from the scriptures. In Caesarea there lived a Roman army of, officer named Cornelius. He was a captain of the Italian regiment. <laughs> he was a devout God-fearing man, as was everyone in his household. So not only has, has he been affected and influenced uh, by the Jewish faith, but he's also now influenced his household. He, watch this now. He gave generously to the poor and prayed regularly to God. One afternoon about 3 o'clock, he had a vision in which he saw an angel of God coming toward him. Cornelius, the angel said, and Cornelius stared at him in terror, and there's a good reason for that, because you see, this angel that shows up is not the fat little cherub babies with harps in their hands. This is a true biblical angel of God, that if he walked into this room right now, every one of us would fall flat on our faces, okay? So, so what is it, sir? He asked the angel, and the angel replied, Watch this now. Your prayers and to the poor have been received by God as a what? An offering. Now send some men to Joppa, which is modern day Haifa, and summon a man named Simon Peter. He is staying with Simon, a tanner who lives near the seashore, and as soon as the angel was gone, Cornelius called two of his household servants and a devout soldier as one of his personal attendants told him what happened and sent them to Joppa. Let me just paraphrase this for the sake of time. While this is going on, Peter in Joppa is having a vision. And in this vision, basically God is saying to him, do not consider those who are unclean any longer to be unclean. And then the Holy Spirit says to him, there's men that are coming. I've sent them, go with them. Peter goes to a Gentile's house, okay, which is unheard of to begin with anyway. And he goes there and he brings some of the other disciples with him. And he goes there and he preaches the gospel to Cornelius, who has gathered his entire household there. Let's pick up here. Verse 44, even as Peter was saying these things, the Holy Spirit fell upon all who were listening to the message. The Jewish believers who came with Peter were amazed that the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out on the Gentiles too. For they heard them speaking in other tongues and praising God. Then Peter asked, can anyone object to their being baptized now that they have received the Holy Spirit just as we did? So he gave orders for them to be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. And afterward, Cornelius asked him to stay for a few days. What happened here? Cornelius has developed a lifestyle of being generous to the poor, generous to the poor, giving, 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 and praying. Now, Cornelius is a believer in the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, but he doesn't know the Messiah yet. And so the Holy Spirit sets up this, this encounter and sends Peter to his house to preach the gospel of salvation. At some point while Peter's preaching, everybody in that room came to faith in Jesus Christ, and the next thing you know is the Holy Spirit, just like he had fallen on the disciples on the day of Pentecost, falls on the whole crowd, and they all start speaking in tongues and praising God. Let me ask you this question. If you would have sat Cornelius down and said, Cornelius, when you first started giving to the poor, when you first started having that lifestyle of prayer, could you have ever imagined that God was gonna set the scenario up? No way, why? Because it's an unknown factor. I'm gonna wrap this up today by saying this to you. You have unknown needs in your life. No, Pastor, I could sit down and write a whole list. Those are the ones that you know about, but you don't know what's coming tomorrow. You don't know what's coming next week. You don't know what you're gonna face next year. You don't know what your family, what your children, what your grandchildren are gonna face in the future. God sets us up sometimes generations before so that the generations that follow will already be in line that when they have a need, somebody has participated in that system of giving so that it can be given unto them. And it gives God the legal right, biblically speaking, to get involved in your life and make sure that the miracle that you need is there when you need it.